Today, we are celebrating a special anniversary in manufacturing. 10 years ago, Cymatic S7-1500 was the first controller with an integrated display to hit the market. With Cymatic S7-1500, Siemens gave a promise, the promise of the highest performance and functionality, and Siemens kept it. All this was the starting point of a great success story and a development with which new benchmarks were set. And with the new Cymatic S7-1500, Siemens continues to be a thought leader when it comes to control solutions and automation. So now it's time to celebrate. Congrats to Cymatic S7-1500 for being our performance controller of choice and providing your users with innovative control solutions. The automation ladies are already looking forward to seeing what will be coming in the next 10 years. Thanks for sponsoring our show, Siemens, and thanks you guys for listening. Welcome to Automation Ladies, the only podcast that we know of where girls mostly talk about industrial automation and other engineering related things. As in today, we are not necessarily going to be all automation focused. Before we get into who our guest is today, our season two supporters and sponsors, I want to thank Factory Fix and Clarify. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard about them before, but in case you forgot or you don't know, Factory Fix is a platform for hiring and recruiting in the manufacturing industry. So if you're looking for a new job or you need talent, it is a great app where you can connect with the right people with the right skills to fill those jobs. You can chat with and create profiles and things like that. So check out factoryfix.com and their app if you're in the market to hire or you're looking for a job. And Clarify is our friend and partner that does visualization for industrial data, particularly great for time series data. They have a really easy to use platform that is meant for everybody from the factory floor to the C-suite to be able to collaborate very easily using it on industrial data. You can try out their software for free on their website at clarify.io. With that said, our guest today is Kara Branch, and I'm gonna go ahead and let her introduce herself during also our first question of getting to hear a little bit about her background and how she came to be where she is in her engineering career. Kara, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so a little bit about myself is that I am a chemical engineer by degree, uh, first degree. Um, Then I have my executive MBA. And what I love to do in industry is a lot of process improvement. So my journey, um, I come from a little town, Port Arthur, Texas. Most people in oil and gas know exactly where that is. It houses the world's biggest refinery there. So I grew up with oil and gas in my background, my backyard, a part of my part of my growing up. And then my mom, I guess she shifted us to Austin. So I spent the bulk of my life living in Austin, Texas. And so I'm from Texas, been in Texas my whole life. So oil and gas is what I always have known. However, uh, when I was in school, uh, I learned in middle school that, you know, science was my thing. <laughs> and then I got into high school and it was my chemistry teacher, Ms. Chapman, who she challenged me. She would throw all these equations on the board and for some odd reason, I can balance them. I don't know why I knew how to balance equations, but I did. And so that's where I fell in love with chemistry. I had always loved to do a lot of chemistry and writing, and I just happened to be good at math. I haven't met too many people in the world who just say that they love math. I just happened to be good at it. And it wasn't until my freshman year of college that I learned that I can put those two things together and become an engineer myself. 
Um, no one had ever asked me that I want to become an engineer. Most of the time, I said my whole childhood, people telling my mom, your daughter's super smart. But no one ever told her what she can do with her smart daughter. So it wasn't until I was sitting with my advisor, my freshman advisor, and she said, what do you want to do? And I love dance because dance was my hobby. And I said, I want to be a dance major. Um, and then she said, OK, what do you want to do? <laughs> I had this dream that I was going to be Usher's background dancer for some reason. He was really hot when I was in high school. Oh, yeah. Um, so I put the two together. I thought I love chemistry. I did math. And she showed me chemical engineering on the uh, on the sheet that we were looking mm-hmm. at. And I said, let's try it. So when I got into the engineering program, I made a goals. I set goals with myself. I said, I'm going to take my first two chemical engineering classes. And if I pass them, I'm becoming a chemical engineer. So I did pass them. And so I continue to set goals every year. Um, and then now I'm a chemical engineer today. So that's my journey to becoming a chemical engineer. But as I've been a chemical engineer, I've had the pleasure to work across multiple industries. I started an oil and gas course, did a lot of capital project management projects in refineries. I've designed a whole bunch of grassroots plants. I've had the pleasure of working in the space industry. I've had the a great time launching a lot of things into space. And then I've also served now as an engineering manager in tech. So a lot of cool things, a lot of different industries. I did not think when I became a chemical engineer that I would be going across multiple industries. And so I love being an engineer. I love being an innovator. I love just changing the world. So that's... That is so cool. That is so cool. And I would like to ask you probably as a follow-up about your you know, going across those multiple industries, how that happened. But I also want to interject, we are neighbors. We're both in Houston. We haven't met in person yet, although hopefully we will very soon. (laughs) I moved back here recently. I also, I went to college in Austin. I love Austin. I actually almost moved there before I moved back here to Houston when I realized that, okay, I guess Austin's not quite as close to the family as I thought when they're over here. So I was like, if I'm going to move back to Texas, I guess I, I need to move to Houston where my family actually is instead of hours away. But that's very cool. We have that in common. And then you and Allie have the chemical engineering in common, but you ended up in, you know, pretty different areas. So yeah. Allie, I don't know if you want to chime in there before I ask my question about her getting to take the opportunity to go from oil and gas to space. I mean, so much to ask there too. That's pretty cool. No, it's but just Allie really cool. is here today and I haven't let her talk yet. <laughs> Allie, <laughs> hi. <laughs> hi. No, I think it's really cool that like you came from where oil and gas is like something that people like do. And so people know that industry and it's like huge there. And that is like the mm-hmm. ultimate process engineering playground. Mm-hmm. So to come from that is like, and you know, everything's like intrinsically safer, explosion proof. So that whole thing is like really cool because it's super dangerous stuff. Like very cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My family has always like many people in Port Arthur worked in the refinery. That's just mm-hmm. the way of life there. But I'm a first gen college graduate. So I knew I wanted to go to college. I always knew I wanted to go to college. So it was more so uh, what can I do? Right. And I wanted to be able to go in refineries from just a different pathway. And that was by getting my engineering degree. Makes sense. So you said that it wasn't until you were in your freshman year that engineering even seemed like an option to you. Were there other options presented to you in high school and earlier that people were trying to funnel or track you into? Or was there just kind of a general like, 
Well, you're very smart, but no suggestions for you. Yeah, it's always been very smart. I've had the honor to win like a lot of awards for being smart. It's your typical questions that you get as a kid. Do you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or things like that? I knew I couldn't be a lawyer. <laughs> nothing of nothing to lawyers. They're amazing. I and I love my lawyers. <laughs> um, um, I I just love science. I just love doing a lot of cool things around it. Yeah. So I knew that. And all my friends from school knew that I was always in my books or something. <laughs> that was just my way of life. Like when my friends were liking fashion, I was asking my mom for a computer <laughs> like so I can go play with this thing. Um, so I've always been like education has always been my core. Like I love learning still to this day. I love learning. Um, so I knew I was always going to college. I just never knew what those possibilities would look like. Uh, for me. And I, I come from a really underserved community. So there was really no one to really like show us what an engineer really looked like in those spaces. And so all my friends, we just, you know, we were having fun. It was a different time. We didn't have a lot of technology, <laughs> Not mm-hmm. that I don't know, um, but a very different time. So we all just knew college is what we had to do to kind yeah. of pave a different life for ourselves. But we never really talked about what we actually were going to do when we got to college. So we just to- there's good and bad to that. I think some kids and some people can really like pick a lane early. And then some people like me uh, never know what they want to do. <laughs> I even went to college. I was like, huh, what do I learn? I, I'm not sure. And I picked like the most generic, but interesting to me, business major, which is international business. It's a little bit of everything. But I think some people really do like they know their passion, right? And they know what really ticks for them and fits for them. And I hope that now that community that you came from, hopefully girls like you are getting a little bit more direction a little early on, or at least know that this is an opportunity. But that's, uh, I'm sure, also a big part of why you founded your nonprofit, Black Mm -hmm. Girls Do Engineer, right? Absolutely. Most definitely from just my upbringing, wanting to reach girls who are me. And then I'm a mom. I have three daughters. I probably should have mentioned that. I do have a family. (laughs) (laughs) I have a husband and three daughters. And a lot of what I do was inspired by my oldest daughter. So she's really the reason why I started Black Girls to Engineer. But I knew I wanted to reach girls that look like me. And from from a lot of my same stories and my background, to show them that they can do it too. And try to do it in a fun way. Because becoming an engineer is hard. It's not easy. It's very, a lot of complex classes. I felt like, honestly, the underdog my entire time in college because a lot of people who were in those engineering programs, they had either their parents were engineer or they knew a lot about what that meant, right, to do these things. I was just in there doing what I knew how to do, and that was to learn. And I just kept setting those goals. And I was happy that I was able to conquer my degree because it's been the best thing that I could have done for myself. Yeah, I think that people don't talk enough about underdog engineers because we do graduate and we do become real engineers. And that entire time that, you know, we're in school, we just get our ass kicked. (laughs) And it doesn't feel good. (laughs) It, It doesn't feel good. And like, I've been like at the actual bottom of a bell curve. They're like, all right, the grades were 40% to like whatever. And I'm like, I am the 40. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's that's really rough on the ego when you're from like 4.0 high school because high school is like, Mm -hmm. I went to public school. So my high school was a joke, no offense, high school. And then I was thrown into what I considered because I was running with other racehorses, I was still considered a racehorse, even though I'm like the slowest one. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, I was like, and I just needed to graduate because if I had that paper, then it didn't matter anything else. Absolutely. So the GP, GPA aside, I'm sure your GPA is better than I had the 264. Uh, that's a lot of C's that you got to, you know, get. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but hey, and C's you know, get degrees. C's feel a lot different in those courses. <laughs> well, and I'd be disheartened because. I felt like if I worked exponentially harder to try to get that A, I would only get a B. So I'm like, you know what? The effort between B and C, I can't justify that and like party. So <laughs> absolutely. It's it's a tough program. Like it's a lot of rigorous work. Like I in college, I rarely seen outside of the engineering building. And I think most engineers don't. <laughs> we live if they the do, their grades building. drop. Yeah. <laughs> Now I get this advice that my dad gave me. He gave it to me in high school and it probably, it still served me very well in college. And I'm sure I did choose the easy path, not going to engineering school because that was my other option. I took AP physics my senior year. And I think everyone in the class went on to get an engineering degree except for me. But I was just more drawn to the the people side of things. Like Mm -hmm. I saw my dad as an engineer that had turned into a business person. And so I wanted to do like the business meetings and not sit at my desk and calculate things because I had to work really hard for that. And I would have had to work really hard in college for that too. Um, And instead I graduated with a business degree in three years while like spending not that much time studying. But my dad gave Mm -hmm. me this advice and I can see just the scales a little bit different, but to me, he was saying that, Hey, if you, you know, if you listen in class and you get what is going on and you can Mm -hmm. take a test and get an A minus or like a B plus, you get it. There's no reason for you to have to spend your, all your hours studying just to get just a slightly higher grade. He's like, what matters is if you get it in general, like if you get the concepts, you get what's going on. You can get a B minus, you know, a B plus or an A minus on that test, and it's not worth the extra effort that you have to put in to get that hundred percent or the ninety eight percent or whatever. It's also a theoretical accomplishment because some of these teachers they don't want you to get that. Like, yeah, they yeah. make it really hard to get yeah. that last. 10%. But it's that law of diminishing returns. Like how much more effort <laughs> do you have to put in for just a slightly better grade that doesn't really change your comprehension of the subject, right? And I think that's something that we kind of grow up thinking just, oh, I have to get the best grade. Yeah. Like my daughter's five right now. And she just always, like when we play teacher, she just always wants the A plus. <laughs> yeah. The star, gold and star. And there was classes yeah. that I was able to get that A. Like the weirdest class that I did was status and dynamics. And I don't know why I understood that class. And I actually ended up tutoring, <laughs> tutoring that nice. class in college. And my professor was like, you sure you don't want to be a civil engineer? I said, I'm most definitely sure. It just was something about, I guess, because I grew up around chemical plants. It was just something about wanting to be able to work in that. And that could be weird. But <laughs> And then chemistry. I just love chemistry. And putting that with a whole bunch of math and writing, too, I was able to do very well. And then... I did come out of college. I started small. I didn't go to a huge company and I'm happy that I did start small. I learned so much so fast by my engineering manager at that time. And so I tell people I went from my summer out from senior year to going into work and going directly into boardrooms. Because at that scale, it was more so that company took five engineers who were out of college and they were all at retirement age and they wanted to train us to be them. 
So we got to learn a lot very fast. I tell people I didn't even use Excel sheets. I had to calculate by hand. So I spent a lot of time doing what I did in school, um, wow. my very first first job. So I went from going out of college to going into boardrooms, work, walking people through processes that I designed, talking to investors and designing all kinds of stuff. And so I took out very fast because of that, but I'm happy that I did because I was able to to do a lot in my career because of it. So everybody wants to start big. I said, yeah, I started small. I think the underdog in the business world too, the small companies are underrated as employers. I mean, yes, there's the potential of like small mismanaged companies that maybe are a little bit more of a risk, right? If their financials aren't good or their business isn't stable, but mm-hmm. for being a, I guess for the lack of a better term, you're a bigger fish in a smaller pond, right? You have the opportunity to do a lot more and learn a lot more than maybe if you were in a huge company with a lot of departments where you kind of have to stay in your lane. Yeah. And I worked a lot more more hours. I always felt like my friends had time to go vacation and I was like, well, where's my life? But <laughs> but <laughs> I'm happy that I did because as I transitioned from different companies to different industries, it benefited me a lot. Well, yeah, I was also going to say, I know that, you know, coming from Houston, I have some friends that went into petroleum engineering specifically, and their career track was very clear. You're going to work for the big oil companies. Yeah. Whereas choosing the chemical engineering gave you a lot more opportunity, I guess, to transfer between industries. Now, space industry is not, I mean, it's not a stretch, right? Houston is also known as the space city. We've got NASA here. But how did that transition come about for you when you transitioned from oil and gas into doing other things? Yeah, so weird thing. Um, (laughs) So when I was at my other company, I wanted to look for something different to do. Now, I've always lived by NASA, (laughs) so I wanted something probably that was closer to me at home. And so I just put out an application and I got a call back to go through a few interviews and I got the job. I had always done a lot of project management, so I was excited to continue to do that. But I just didn't know what I was doing project management for because I've been oil and gas for so long. So when I transitioned into the space industry, it's actually a time where I, my kids actually understood what I did. As long as I worked in oil and gas, my kids had no clue what that yeah. meant or what they did. Um, and working in the space industry, they got to watch when things would launch on space vehicles, my stuff going to space. So that was a little bit more cooler for them. But it was still along the lines of what I did from a project management, executing projects, but it was just with different stuff. So my role was to make sure that astronauts had everything they need. So, which is a pretty cool role. Yeah. Um, so I got to work on a lot of cool projects and I mean, it was a good time. We had a lunch on my birthday, so I like partied all night. It was a good, <laughs> it was a good time. It's just that it was a different culture for me because I had been in oil and gas so long, and I was so sh- structured like oil and gas. So like making that adjustment was different. It was also during COVID, so that was the first time oh, okay. that I was working from home when my job was down the street. So it was mm-hmm. kind of different. So I didn't really have that interaction of getting to know my coworkers because nobody was at work. And so I was transitioning into a whole nother industry during that path that time. But my projects were cool. They were really cool. I got to do a lot of great things that still, even though I'm not there, that are still launching into space. And so I think a lot of people love, love the space program and want to see, and especially the time I was in it, it was like really booming. Like we was launching all the time, you know, <laughs> launching stuff all the time. So I got to be a part of a great time to be in the space program. So it was cool. And then from there, I just transitioned to tech, which is a whole nother, a whole nother world. 
I was good at working from home at that point because that's what I do in tech. However, my job was it's on the West Coast, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it's just managing people who are on the West Coast and I'm here in Texas. But it's still another great opportunity. With working in tech, I got to work a lot of things around AI and a lot of things around the internet and things like that. So it was really cool. And it was I was interested because it was things that I was developing with my own skill set <laughs> to do a lot of process automation and stuff like that. But to be able to go and be a great key voice in the development. And although I started small, I mean, you know, working for the company I work for Intel, it's it's big. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just because you start small doesn't mean that you can't get to a bigger company. And I've worked for several big companies and um, I just got a lot of knowledge. So working from industry to industry, I could say now since I've done it, that it's it was pretty cool. Once you have that skill set, it's not impossible. It's just different worlds. Like, you know, I, I love tech because it is laid back. The work-life balance is a little bit more understood. Uh, and then the space program, it was busy time, but it was really cool. And oil and gas, I mean, that's just, I spent my whole college learning about <laughs> hydrocarbons and stuff like that. So that was just natural for me. Do you feel like having worked in these three different sort of industries and tech areas now that you have ideas or are able to kind of connect dots or or see holistically like how where we're going <laughs> in terms oh. of just tech in general or make any kind of I, I I would say connections or insights that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise if you had not crossed those sorts of three barriers I guess for me they're all different there yeah. was, it's not a really big connection I just think the cultures are different it's things that one industry would do I'm like oh this was done. I think that was more of the adjustment, just the culture from different yeah. industry to industry to see their perspective on things. There, every every industry, the matter from that I've transitioned through, brilliant people. I mean, it's just cool to see so many different brilliant people. Like even though I'm a chemical engineer, I've managed software engineers, so to kind of pick their brains and think, see how they think, that's pretty cool. But no, I, they're most definitely all different. <laughs> I don't see them being the same. I think a lot of people more so um, from a technology standpoint, a lot of people are doing a lot of digital transformation, as everyone knows, a lot of yeah. automation, every industry. That's one thing they all are striving for and have in common. But no, they really all do their own thing. Yeah. So automation, ladies, I mean, the the automation does refer mostly to factory automation. But certainly all kinds of automation. And I know that the term like RPA, robotic process automation, yeah, uh, it seems like it's similar, but it's totally not. It's like automating software processes that maybe somebody yeah. would click manually, you know, do this, do that. And then we automate that using software. And somehow that got the moniker of robotic process automation, which I think is very confusing to people that are outside either one of these industries, (laughs) like that they're not at all the same. They have nothing to do with each other. Um, But there's a lot of overlap in the thinking, right? In the processes Mm -hmm. and the the way that you look at a process or a problem and figure out, should it be automated? How should it be automated? What do we have to do in order to automate it? Maybe the process should change if it's a computer versus not. Because thinking through like RPA, maybe automating the clicks of what a human would do on the front end of something isn't the best way to automate that process. Yeah. And same could be said for like robots on the factory floor. You don't necessarily need a robot arm pushing the same button that a human would do. Allie, I saw a little smirk over there. It's just a macro. What do you have to say here? 
I just don't want to smear like the process automation name. Yeah, it's you know? not the same. <laughs> I love it. And they're like, no. And that's like the whole point of my logo is yeah. like there's a valve for like mm-hmm. process automation. And then there's a robot for like the discrete slash robotic side of manufacturing because I want to be part yeah. of both, which is why I want I want to be in like food and bev because I could do like mm-hmm. mixing chocolate and then like processing chocolate, cooling it down, doing all this like, process heavy stuff. And then at the end, have robots put the chocolates in the packaging. So I want the whole way through to just be involved. And that's like the point of my, like the name of my business and then the logo. But I'm, you know, struggling to get into the robot side because I'm always called on to do process. Yeah. So I'm just like, until I can grow big enough, like my, my process is like where everyone wants my help. Now it's Allie's internet. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I get what she's saying. Because I've seen it. I've seen them both come together in a manufacturing setting. Yeah. We'll see if she's able to come back. Well, why don't we ask... I I actually had a question. So can you tell me a little bit about your experience as a working mom? Because these are not trivial jobs that you're holding, right? A lot of responsibility. And you said you have three daughters, Mm -hmm. Did you take an extended period of time off or do you feel like that's affected your career? Um, Or what are your thoughts on that? And maybe anything to say to other working moms, if you have any tips or. Yeah, I'm probably need to take some time, but I never have. (laughs) Um, So very non-traditional college student. I had all of my children in college in some form of a way. So two in my undergraduate while I was studying chemical engineering. And then I had one in my executive MBA program. So I have had kids and did this thing the entire time. And no, I really haven't taken any time off uh, to just focus. I mean, it's been a lot of times, a lot of nights where we were doing homework together, you know? Yeah. Uh, my husband is a huge support system. So I have to thank him for that because he always dies in there with me and support me. But I have been going since forever. <laughs> I never really thought to take off, especially with my nonprofit. And when we, when we get into that, but it's my kids are in the program. So I spend time with them there and I make the time just to spend time with my kids. So, so it's not like I may be busy, but I'm always mm-hmm. going to block out time to go yeah. spend time, not just with my kids, but myself as well. So no, um, I don't know if I like it. Yeah, I probably do. I think it's just, I mean, women, <laughs> we're, we're strong. We're amazing amazing beings and so we are capable of doing it all and so I kind of did <laughs> yes you so did I, I just don't know but no I have not taken any time off and my oldest is now uh 12 okay wow yeah I know it you know and everybody's situation is different right so if you don't have that support system some people do need yeah. to take the time off and then it can be hard to transition back to work I'm personally a little bit more like you I I tr- I took tried to take some time off and I instead started like two businesses during that time while I was caring for my baby and then toddler and then had another baby while doing all of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not a person that can sit still or just take care of my kids. Not that that isn't a huge job in and of itself. It, it's just that I need to be constantly, I feel like the learning thing. And maybe that's, you know, something for those that just are compulsive lifelong learners. Like we cannot... Yeah sit still. Uh-huh. Once you master something, you have to be mastering something new, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I just incorporate my kids into my life. So like when I get home from a long day, if my children want to watch something or do something together, I just do it. Yeah. So they are my priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they like it too, to see their mom do these cool things. 
I'm raising three girls. I want them to be strong and do whatever they want to do too. And it's helped them build their confidence a lot. Uh, when they see their mom doing these talks and speaking, it's kind of like I see new them forming into new people. So uh, my four-year-old is my youngest. She has it down regardless if I helped her or not. She's just, I, I tell people she's, she is most definitely a future CEO. I don't know of who. <laughs> she, has, she has mastered it. But my, my oldest two are a little bit more, you know, they're reserved and a little bit more shy. And because of all that I've done, now they just are like the social butterflies. So it's helped them grow too. So when did you start Black Girls Do Engineering Corp? Yeah, I started in 2019. Um, I really started, my oldest daughter was nine at the time, and she told me she wanted to become a software engineer. I was cooking dinner, I never forget the day, because I turned and looked at my husband and laughed. <laughs> I was just like, I never talked about what I did. Like, I, you know, I'm an engineer, but I never talked about what I did. And it was really because I've always, I've always been the only Black woman in all of my roles. Mm-hmm. So when my daughter told me that I was like, here we go. I knew she loved art. I knew she loved computers and all this stuff. And I really thought she was about to go travel the world and be an artist. And I was like down for it. But then <laughs> that wasn't the case. So when she told me that I knew I had to do two things, I didn't want to can help her become an engineer as her mom. And then I wanted to create a space for her and girls who share the same passion that looks like her to come together and, and do some cool stuff together. So uh, that's the day I started the nonprofit. And she's now 12. She still wants to be a software engineer. With that program, she handles a lot of the coding efforts now. Um, she started coding at nine, with, like most girls in my program, and bl- doing block coding. And now she's learning Python, and she's 12. These, I mean, this shouldn't surprise you because these kids are brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just do everything. And so she's like, she loves it. She codes every Monday night because of the program. She teaches other kids how to code, and she's really into it. And so because of her, she keeps me going to do this thing. And then my middle daughter, she's eight. And she, she told me she wants to become, she calls it a NASA engineer because that's how she knows it. She's eight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and so that's her deal. She's more like me, a uh, process person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she loved it, but she also loves sports. She plays basketball year round. So she's like, she loves the program. But she loves basketball. So I just tell her, you can do both. I have a lot of friends who have have championship rings who are engineers. <laughs> so I just direct her more to continue playing sports. And then she does her STEM programs and think on top of that as well. All I right. don't know what my four-year-old told you she's someone's future CEO. So we'll wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> I think my five-year-old, if she got to choose, she would probably be a YouTube star right now. Although <laughs> well, that's not a bad gig either. <laughs> no, the extent of her, she takes my phone. She asks if she can record. She mostly records videos to send to Allie. But she started recording them, starting with, hi, Elsa fans. And I'm like, "I'm nobody's yeah. out there hearing these, but I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, don't go for it. I mean, this, these days, the sky is, 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 you know, they can reach and do anything. <laughs> Children, like, they're brilliant. They have a lot of technology right in front of them. Yeah. They're taking advantage of it. They're learning on their own time. So. And it's like, why would they not? I can only imagine what we would have done if that if we had that when we were growing up. Yeah. Not to say that we would have turned out any better or different, but just like, of course, you're going to take what's available in front of you and you want to know how it works and you want to, mm-hmm. you know, mess with it. And to have all and of this technology available now and so many more programs that kind of do introduce it in friendly ways to kids. It's just, it's very cool. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to date myself exactly either, but like you, you grew up with kind of it going from nothing to by the time we're in college, we're like close to where we are now. 
So we've yeah, seen the not, whole transition. Uh, technology just moves very fast. We're still young. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, so because of them, I started in 2019 and, and we've grown like crazy. So I started, I remember my first year, I just started this thing and I was like, I don't know where we're going, <laughs> where we're going to be like most people who just started a business. And I just started my social media account and I got started getting a whole bunch of followers. I was like, oh, this is the thing. And so uh, people started asking me, how can they, they join my program? So we are a membership-based organization. So they do join in. And I said, sure. And I said to my husband, where are they going to meet? <laughs> like I have members, where do we go? So I really owe it to my parents. They pushed me to get a space and, and do these meetings. So I started with 18 girls my first year. And I'm now in my fourth year and I have full chapters now. I have an LA chapter, New Orleans chapter, a virtual platform. And I had over 300 girls interested in my program last year. Um, so we, we, we accepted 120 of them across all chapters. And I have 60 girls here in Houston that I work with now. That's amazing. Yes, it's a lot of girls. <laughs> we have a lot of fun too. A lot of fun. And they do everything. Our focus uh, year is the year 2050. So they do everything around what those careers will look like, what re uh, research have shown us recently. So they do a lot of AI, a lot of robotics here. Of course, they do a lot of things around life science as well, uh, energy, aerospace. And then they also have other programs being incorporated outside of STEM where they focus on college prep. So mm -hmm. this is important to help them on their journey to actually get to college. That's a huge piece. And then financial literacy. So they can learn how to do money management, which is key for our program. Because I tell people I come from an underserved community and then I walked into industry managing multi-million dollar projects. <laughs> and so it was kind of like, oh, wow, <laughs> a lot of money. So, you know, and this is other people's money and they want to return mm -hmm. on it. So it's like really helping my girls get a handle on what that looks like, what investments are. A lot of times as engineers, we invest, right? And so you want to know what those investments are. What do ROI means? I mean, people say that all the time, every day in these industries. So it's important to really understand what that means and how you can help them with that. So it's a very hands-on approach. We work with girls as early as six years old, and then we go all the way up to supporting 21-year-olds in college. When And I started really with at age nine because that's when my daughter was, was how old she was when she told me and I was like yeah you know a lot of times they say girls are not interested and I was like well she told, <laughs> told me at nine and then my um then my second year I had a parent who was homeschooling her daughter and she was seven and she asked me to take a chance on her so she came in and I started working with her she was amazing you would have thought she was my oldest in the program because she was so amazing and then I did a pilot with 10 other girls in that age range, and they all blew me away. So that's when I realized that girls know at a much earlier age than we think they know. Yeah. And so I started working with six-year-olds, and I love my babies. I don't really call them that in person, but that's what they are. <laughs> I have 32 of them in my program. So they're like my future of my program and very right. Like you can ask them questions about what we talk about and they know they have a lot at their fingertips where they can just learn and learn anything. So these kids are very aware of what's going on and they are brilliant. Yeah. I think we underestimate our kids a lot. And it's, it's amazing that you have this conduit, right? For, I'm sure not every girl is interested and not every girl mm -hmm. is at a level at that age to yeah. grasp or get that out of the program. But those that are, they need to be served with that yeah. instead of just lumped in with everybody else and said, you don't 
you know, wait until you're in college. Or I've actually also had, you know, when we talk about sometimes the lack of women in our industries and how we just need more exposure and more representation to help these women and girls get in, stay in, get Mm -hmm. be successful. I've gotten pushed back and just told, well, girls are just not that interested in these careers. And I'm like, well, how do you know? Have you gone and asked them? And and they've told you I'm not interested. Or are you just assuming that they are all presented with all these options and that we just choose to play with dolls and makeup instead? Like some girls do and nothing against that. Everybody has their own personalities, their strengths, Mm -hmm. their interests. But to wholesale say this, a group of people is just not interested. Next time I hear that, I... Usually men. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, sometimes it's women too. Again, we can't label. Sometimes it's women too. Yeah. I, well, the story I hear a lot from people who are involved in my program that helps in volunteers. I have a lot of support from a lot of engineers who help and I appreciate them. And then I have people who just want to come help. And the number one thing they say to me is that I wish I knew this existed. A yeah. lot of them just didn't even know they can do these things. I actually, and, um, I, ta- I had, was part of a panel and I'm really grateful for that. The back few years ago, actually, it was right after I had my daughter. It was one of the only conferences I made sure to make time for when I was on maternity leave. It was at UC Berkeley, and it was a gentleman. I unfortunately don't remember his name at the moment, but he is a cybersecurity engineer. He works in Germany, and he put on this summit at UC Berkeley for some of the local youth. It was called Hip Hop Leaders um, Cybersecurity and AI Summit. And it was just to show them that, hey, I'm this successful cybersecurity engineer, And when I was younger, I thought, you know, I just wanted to be a basketball star or a rapper or something. But he he went this route and he wanted to show his local community there that, hey, this is something viable for you. And there were a bunch of girls in the audience. And even after hearing about it, some of them are like, yeah, I, you know, the coding part, I wasn't really into that or it was too hard. And I felt really good about being able to tell them, like, hey, if you're interested in this industry at all. You also don't have to be the one doing the coding. You can work as a project manager or as a marketing person. Like if this area interests you at all, you can do almost anything in these industries. It doesn't have to be, you know, you're the one writing the algorithms or doing the threat assessments or there is a whole host of things that you can do in this industry that is growing and Mm -hmm. needs people and is lucrative if you have the skill set. And that was, I would love to, you know, just see more and more of these sorts of events or groups like addressing kids of all different backgrounds to say, like, mm-hmm. these are things that you can do if you want to do them. But you you can't know that you want to do them unless you know about them. Yeah. And that's a big piece of what I do. It's based off of exposure and representation. The representation piece is really around the name, like for these kids to see people who look like them do it. Um, you know, Alpha Data, there's just not that many women in STEM period. We know <laughs> we can look around and see that's not that many of us there. But when you start narrowing down the numbers, it's like 25% is women, 5% mm-hmm. is women of color, and then 2.9% is Black women. And so we want them to be able to see themselves through us, to believe that they can actually get to where we are. And we take it very seriously. I spent my very first member meetings talking a whole hour just about that. Like a lot of girls, didn't even, they've never seen a Black woman engineer ever. And so really trying to communicate what that looks like and what we actually do 
I was really trying to sell this thing. <laughs> like <laughs> like we FRC pictures, you know, you can put on FRCs, you can, you can climb up stuff and all this fun stuff <laughs> that we do. Cause I used to do a lot of construction and it was like, I never know that existed. So really just trying to help them see themselves through us. And it helps a lot from a whole confidence building standpoint. Like they are very confident now. A lot of girls have been with me since 2019. They did tell us, you know, what they want, what engineering discipline they want to focus on, where they want to go to college. Like they're very, very aware and alert of what that means. Even like with my new book, right? What is STEM? I, I just asked the question because it was my book title. I was telling the parents and then my elementary student, she was like, oh, STEM is science technology. <laughs> so it's just knowing that they know what it actually is, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a long stretch because most people don't. And I always tell people, many people know when I speak, I always ask people, have you asked your students or have you ever asked anyone or have anyone ever asked you, do you want to be an engineer? It's not a common question. I was just sitting in the hair salon with my daughter yesterday and they were talking about all these tracks, the college. And even in there, they were like, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, a teacher. No one ever puts engineer in the sentence of what you can be. So I think it starts there too. Yeah, I like to read this Peppa book, Peppa Pig book to my kids. It's like you can be anything and it includes astronaut and it includes construction worker, which is great, but it doesn't include engineer. So I've always been yeah, like throwing that one in extra. They were like missing out here. Like people are like, what does an engineer look like? I mean, we do look like normal people, but we also wear hard hats and FRCs. We look different, but we changed the world. So why are we missing from this picture? It's yeah. something we have to figure out. Okay, I feel dumb. What's FRC? So flame res- resistant um, okay. <laughs> clothing or retardant resistant, one of them. It, yeah. it keeps you from, if you're in a chemical plant, it keeps you from catching on fire. And also it keeps you chemicals, if chemicals get on you and stuff like that. It's just a safety, a PPE. So typically in the, in the plant, you wear your FRCs, your hard hat, your safety goggles, and then your steel toe boots which I'm hoping now they have a better selection for women. <laughs> That's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we don't have a lot of steel toe boots, but I think that there's a lot of great women fixing that problem as we probably speak. So that's, it's just to keep you safe in a chemical facility. It's also for electrical mm-hmm. workers too. It's not just um, like in a, in a chemical plant where there's actually like flammable stuff yeah. everywhere. Yeah. You have more people wearing it, but even in regular, like at an airport, you can have the guys wear FR clothing when they go and do stuff on like switch gear. Yeah. So there's some like, it is just for like, if this thing lights on fire, are you going to light on fire? So it's just really to protect the person from like whatever ignition source, whether or a chemical ignition source, but it can be electrical too. Yeah. But it's expensive clothing. You can get the same Carhartt, (laughs) but way more money, way more money for this like same Carhartt shirt, but it's Fire, you know, yeah. and then there's different categories. So you'll see a lot of people wear the shirts, right? And their jeans and stuff, depending on the industry. But most definitely like in a chemical facility, you have to wear the whole suit. Um, gotcha. Well, oh, thank nice. you for educating me. This comes from it's a person. No, it's that, like, really not. <laughs> what, I, I went to my first couple of factory tour, like visits and basic almost got kicked out because I didn't have the right clothes on. Nobody told me. I'm like, yeah, it depends. Like... I used to, from, I should tell people, I used to jazz my pearls. <laughs> they used to be like, where are you going with these pearls on? I mean, I just wanted, I'm a woman, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we don't, just because we love, like, I love doing construction. Like, I, like my 
construction crew that used to work for me, like when they were out there for 16 hours, I was out there for 16 hours. Like being around a crane was just like my way of just life. I love being around a crane. Like I love doing construction in the plant. I mean, if you look at me, people are like, no, she's have no, I used to do a lot of construction projects and I used to love being there with my guys. I would be there for the full 16 hour shift with my guys. And it was just my world. It was great. I love watching them lift heavy equipment, putting heavy equipment in. I mean, it was just, just everything about it. So you must definitely have to be safe yes. <laughs> and put on the right PPE out there. And But I used to make it as fashionable as I could. <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> now, especially it. when your girls come into those of them that end up in the plants, as mm-hmm. those sorts of engineers, there are, like you said, more options. There's tons of women out there working on this problem right now. We yeah. actually reposted on our LinkedIn page probably yesterday or the day before a list that somebody else put together of women, like companies that are making um, PPE or this type of construction wear mm-hmm. and those sorts of things for women. So maybe I will commit to on air now adding this sort of list to our resources page. So if somebody hears this episode later on and they want to get some cool steel-toed boots or gloves that fit their hands or God forbid, like, I don't know who's working on this or who's doing it yet, but like maternity wear, that is safe too because... Hey, if you're only going to give us like six weeks off after we have the baby, we got to find a way to work safely with that baby bump, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I know when I was in, in the industry doing a lot in, in construction and stuff, there wasn't a big selection. So I'm right. hoping that a lot has changed. So I, w- I would love to see the list because I still like steel toe boots. You just never know. <laughs> yeah. And we keep the list growing and hopefully these companies grow and there will be more of them. Because the more of us that go into the industry, more we have a voice and say, hey, we need stuff that fits us. It's also a safety issue. If you're not wearing well-fitting clothes, you either can't move around well enough or it might get caught in something. It's not just a fashion issue. Yeah. For me, I don't know. I just like fashion. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. (laughs) No, that's cool. Like I said, everybody has their their things that they're interested in. I'm personally not... Not a of fashion. (laughs) Yeah. I'm personally not a huge fan of fashion trends because I just kind of stick with what I like. And um, I'm not, I'm I'm not too into just following the trends. Although I think it's so cool when other people do and I see them or like, you know, the occasional runway show that I get to see, like props to whoever pulls this off. It's just not me. And that's okay. (laughs) But we do need better stuff for us. They have women FRCs, but sometimes they don't even fit as right as they should. So, Well, because they also, they started doing all of these, I mean, all of these different measurements and things came from measuring just men. And like Mm -hmm. even women's clothing sizes are, they're all whacked out, like just different companies will have different sizes and it's because like their sample size for when they created these sizes were like one type of person we're we're way past that now i feel like we have the potential for like much better mass personalization yeah to account for all types of people that we have in our society instead of these old averages that somehow somebody came out with like in the 50s or something or maybe even earlier than that Absolutely. Allie is a resident fashionista when it comes to workwear. She's got like every color Carhartt hat and safety vest. I I suggest that you show those girls the like 
because purple and pink safety vests exist. Oh wow! Um, See, yeah. I didn't even. I just got yeah. that one color. I have one of each. I have a purple one and a pink one, and then but like the purple one like goes with the automation lady stuff. So like I bought you know Nikki I have and like a bunch of them like <laughs> a purple hard hat and a purple like safety vest and like purple glasses like safety glasses. There's just too many options now. Yeah, look. Like there's oh just my safety God, I feel like I'm so at the game. I <laughs> I collect I collect these like beanies that are like high vis, but there I have a purple, I have blue, I have like lime green, but all these have the like high vis strip. So if you're someone shines a light on you, like no one's going to run oh you over. Oh my goodness. Right? But but purple it looks so nice. I didn't think they could do purple, but I'm like, no, I'm like, I want I a purple one. one. <laughs> it's black. We black. will send you a purple one. Like, as, as engineers. Yeah, we'll send you a purple one. <laughs> Had I known that. Yeah, like all those, all those girls need their own vests just to, yeah. them, you know, and start getting them in those hard hats. But if you can get them in those vests and hard hats, the vests are cheaper, I think. But the hard hats are not that expensive. But once you start feeling it, like it's going to be different, I think, like. I don't know. Oh, so we are making progress. <laughs> I'm excited about it. A little bit. So. Yeah. I think the more we <laughs> network so. and get the word out, right, the better. And we got to put these links yes. up. Where do you get these? Yes. <laughs> yeah. like, where do you get? We need our affiliate links. I got them on yeah. Amazon. <laughs> you know, somebody asked, they were like, oh, where do you get all this selection? Because my local dealer doesn't have as big of a selection. And that's also like, we, mm-hmm. we live in the age of the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. We should be able to. And this is one of the problems and not to plug like quote beam here, but my day job that I spend more hours than I probably should building because I'm really, really passionate about it is that we don't have to rely exclusively on what our local dealers or local stores or markets decide is in enough demand for us. Right. Yeah. If a company, let's say a Carhartt makes, you know, 20 different colors of beanies you should know and be able to buy them, even if maybe your local dealer doesn't need to stock them all because their local guys like three of the colors, right? So, you know, a company like Amazon, it has its flaws and everything, of course, but it at least gives us the selection to order stuff that isn't predetermined mm-hmm. by somebody that decides, hey, this market needs only this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. So those of you that are listening on the audio podcast, Allie just brought out her bunch of different color Ivis vests yeah so you'll be seeing us at automate in detroit in may you'll find us by the purple vests oh my god i feel like i gotta step my my fashion game up (laughs) (laughs) it looks so good and the other thing that uh, i love about this is storage women's clothing for whatever reason has just always assumed, I think, that we can stick everything in our purse and therefore we don't need any <laughs> functional pockets for anything. Right? I love the pockets. <laughs> they, they have different shape ones for girls, like that are more. They can be a yeah. little bit more fitted or whatever, but they still, I still love the pockets. Yeah. Like, no, don't I think assume. It's so great because everyone is most definitely, you know, being themselves, loving color and stuff like that. And so I'm sure they want to jazz up. Yeah. <laughs> They're consistent wear. Because that's, that's your personality, right? So, And I, th- um, I think we're at a point where we can say it's not about what you look like. It's what you bring professionally to the job in terms yeah. of skills. I actually also saw a post from a CEO in our network the other day that was like, does this look like a CEO? I guess he had dyed his hair a different yeah. color. It was a little bit long. And he was like, does this 
you know, the image of a successful CEO. And I get that traditionally the image of a successful CEO is a guy wearing a high powered suit and tie and with a clean cut haircut and no tattoos, no any, you know, and it's like when you look a, when you look underneath that suit, sometimes you find those things, but that person felt like they needed to hide it at work. Mm -hmm. But I feel like so many people that we've connected to in our industry are extremely successful and they have all that going on and you don't have to fit the mold of what a certain thing has to look like. But it is always nice to be able to model something and see one, at least one example of somebody that does look like you, which, yeah, it doesn't have to be exactly one thing all of the time. Now, speaking of representation, I got (laughs) this book, which you mentioned earlier, What is STEM? And I love that this is a book illustrated with girls of color talking about what is STEM. I bought it for my daughter, Elsa. Uh, Again, if you're listening, I'm just holding up this book. We'll place a link and a picture of it on the resources page, as well as probably in the show notes. Um, But this is a new venture that you have going on, right? Do you want to tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. So I'm just like you, Nikki, I can't keep still. So <laughs> do something. Um, so for me, it was, it's always every day I'm thinking about how do I reach girls all over this world? And so I was like, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> In a very short time, my, my best friend, she's like, she doesn't know how to do all these things. But another number one issue I face with my program is that a lot of the times the parents have no clue what their children are doing and they don't have a clue what them is and what that actually even means. And so what I wanted to do with this book was to really show, like give, you know, what STEM is, right? Science, technology, engineering, mathematics, talk about what it actually is and talk about what these people do in, in, in these certain areas and also show careers that you can go into within the book. I feel like a lot of books are more geared to showing careers in STEM, but I felt that we were just really missing the part and the foundation of what it actually really is to be able to help the readers. And so I created this book to do just that. And so I'm excited about it. It's it's doing it's doing well. <laughs> Good. When I wrote it, it was just to just just write it and really just wanted any girl anywhere around the world, boy too. I mean, boys are gonna get this book. I'm sure they have sisters. They'll probably pick it up. I know my kids share library all the time. Yeah. So, my son is um, definitely gonna see this as well. Yeah. It's just to really let them know what it is. It yeah. just was my way coming from my uh, own experiences of how I felt that I can you know, communicate and help people understand what it really is. And then also show some career paths. And then I also created a coloring book to go with it just for, um, cause this book is really for age eight through 12. The coloring book is really intended for younger kids who like to color or adults who just want to color. That's what I'm going to do with it. And, yeah. <laughs> and really just show that whole representation piece. Again, everything that I do is from exposure and representation. And I was like, let me just figure out a way to, to reach kids all over the world with this book. I also wanted girls to be able to see themselves in this book. Not all the time. You can't, you don't see yourself physically in a book. And so that's something I did intentional, show girls from every different shade. And also I want to, with my coloring books, even with just names, kind of like pinpointing names of children that you don't typically see names in books. I used to remember when I used to see my name, Cara, which is like, you really don't find anything (laughs) that says Cara in a store back back when I was a kid. You had Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff that had your names on it. And I could never find my name. So I wanted to let a, a kid who just seen their name, right. Yeah. In the book, 
be able to say that's mine, you know, because I remember the excitement I used to get when I actually seen my name in a store. So I ventured off and, and did that thing. And um, then you've done more with it. I saw also you have a STEM <laughs> toy kit, right? Yeah. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So with my program for many years, I would always create my own kit. So a lot of what I do is things that I just create. And so I used to sit on in my house with my family and I used to just create this STEM kit. And a lot of my used in my own program. So I wanted to be able to do the same thing with my book, have a reach yeah. where this kit will um, reach kids all over the world. So I, I started with my science edition. I've only have released the first one up and that's my galaxy slime kit. I picked that one because every time I do slime, I always hear my girls in my head. This, they always say they want to do it. So yes. <laughs> I wanted to start with that one, but from our aerospace perspective, so they can have many things to incorporate into their slime for a lot of this fun play, right? And so I just wanted to be able to have a solution for parents to be able to bring STEM home with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do it a lot with me, but I wanted my, my parents to be able to say, hey, I want to take this home. Because one thing I notice about when the kids leave, I get a lot of calls from their parents like, hey, I want to stop by the store and get that. Because <laughs> their kids really enjoy it. So to have yeah. an option where, you know, we're all busy people. Maybe you can't get out. Or maybe you want to do STEM at home into your family. It depends on, on your your situation. But I wanted to be able to offer a kit to do that. And so even with my kit, the product line, it's called STEM Exposed. And it's all still about the same thing, exposing kids to STEM. I have more that's coming out and they're, and they're geared towards different age groups and they're in certain editions. So the first one up is my science edition. And so I hope that whoever bring this kit home with them, that they enjoy it because I've seen a lot of girls in my program enjoy them. And so uh, this is just for them to be able to have a smile at home and enjoy enjoy making things. That's fantastic. So if you're listening to this, there will be a link to Cara's online store for STEM Exposed in the show notes of this episode, as well as I think we'll put it up on the resources page. Is there anything that you have that you know is coming out that we should be looking out for as the next (laughs) products? So... Not as far as next product, just getting ready to go gear up and hit some big stages. So I will be speaking at South by Southwest in Austin wow. during my education week. And so it's really talking about the importance of Black girls in STEM and going back to my second home, Austin. I'm just ready to see all the changes that's incorporated. I know Austin's changing like crazy. It's been changing yeah. for years. Yeah. I just really enjoy a place that I, I call my second home and grew up. So I'm looking forward to getting on stage and being able to educate people on why I do what I do and hopefully inspire someone. Okay. So I think you pretty much hit my last question, but I'll ask if you have anything to add. We usually ask our guests sort of as a, as a parting question, what can we expect to see from you going forward or in the next, you know, future, whether you want to go far out or you short term, that's up to you. And then where can, if anybody's listening, whether it's parents of kids that would be a fit or interested in your program or interested in some of your products, if they're not available to join your program or companies that want to support you, get involved, tell us all the different ways that people can find you and support you. Yeah. So on your first question, I really just see me doing what I love to do. Um, Being an engineer, I love working and doing what I do and doing innovations from a lot of different places that way. But when I'm not doing that, just doing representation and exposure, that's really what I'm about and trying to reach kids and inspire them and help them on a journey into their STEM profession. Um, to, to learn anything like more about my program, so you can visit our website at blackgirls2engineer.org. We are gearing up to go into our fifth year, some milestone year. 
year. So we're really excited about that. We'll kick off our fifth year in October. So we have our member interest period is actually happening at the beginning of March. So if you are interested, we do have an open house in March that you can learn all about on our website and come out and learn about us. It's not just for future parents, it's for future partners too. If you're interested to see what we do and how you can get, get your company involved, we invite you out to our open house and we plan to have all of our members ready and selected by the end of May and, and, and look forward to gearing up for a incredible fifth year. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in the show, Cara. It's been a long time coming. I'm really glad to have finally, you know, connected with you for an in-depth conversation. <laughs> and hopefully we can have you on again in your sixth year, maybe your seventh year. I'm very excited to follow along your progress and hopefully also get a chance to meet you in person at some point soon. Yes, we have to meet in person. <laughs> City. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. I appreciate you being here as usual. Uh, well, not as usual, but Allie I, seems to have dropped off. Her internet probably cut out. So I will say goodbye for the both of us and we'll see you around. Best of luck with everything, Cara. You have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.